0: This is Bragg, son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a LOTRO podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brock shall answer. Come on, Dean. I'm on, din. Dean. come on. I'm on, Dean. Some, sometimes you feel like a nut. I'm on, Dean. Sometimes you don't. Welcome back to Like the Beacons, the Lotro podcast, focusing on low tech microphones, subpar sound effects, slipshot editing. And apparently uh, some bastardization of the Towers of Light, as far as the naming considerations are concerned. It's late. Um, this podcast is about Lotro and all things Tolkien. It's episode number 54, and I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain. The Sultan of Shield Swipe, the Earl of Agro, the Tamer of the Shrews. And the Dwarf of Ill Repute. I am actually broadcasting live from temporary Light like the Beacons, Middle Earth White Headquarters, LTB, MEWHQ, atop the Beacon of Nardal. Episode 3 out of 7 in our Beacon specific series. Nardol, Nardolian. I'm feeling rather Nardolian this evening. Don't know what it's derived from, but uh, it's a beautiful view. And if you listen to my "Twisted Vistas" episode, geez, it seems like so long ago now. You will know that this is one of my favorite views from the Beacons uh, that appeared with the Far Honorian uh, Release Eighteen, um, because you can see the Beacons of Amandine and. and Ilanoch ahead, um, kind of framed against the red Mordor sky with lightning striking behind them. Uh, you're looking down across a valley with a beautiful river pouring through it. You can see men statues hunched over, observing the paths, both on the far and distant side of the river. If you look to the south, you can look across a, a great bridge that uh, feeds into um, the... The uh, foothills of the mountain, where the Druidane dwell. Uh, you know, looking west, you can see the other beacons in the valley to the distance. But uh, again, it's this skylit and lightning-streaked view, which uh, which I'm enamored of, at the Beacon of Nardal. So, our, our beacon tour is going slowly, but it's going. It's going. Um, like I said, I think it's one of the best views. I think uh, all the viewers. We'll agree with that. And listen, I I know you're not viewers. All I'm saying... Do we need to go here again? All I'm saying is it has been a lot of research lately. I mean, I've got top men working on it. Top men. Well, okay, I have Grima working on it. And frankly... I started to doubt his ideas of what practicing the scientific method were when I found him jump-shotting cheese balls into a weasel carcass from across the room and doing crowd cheers after every made shot. <sighs> the crowd goes, throw really here go wild. <sighs> uh, but look, he explained it to me, and I didn't understand all of it exactly, but I'm going to give him another shot at this. There's something about the guy, he's just... He's persuasive, okay? Look, I know I'm a thick gold guardian, but he's persuasive. I don't know how to say it. So there you go. Um, this issue is tabled. We're moving on to the beacon of Illinois. As usual, we'll first deal with a lot of CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from the last month. Uh, yes, it's been that long since a podcast didn't mean for it to go this long. Many occasions over the last few weeks, I tried to get it together to get into the recording studio here at METB, here at Light the Beacons, but, um, it didn't happen. Lots of stuff happened. Um, I've actually been playing a ton of Lojo, so that's not a good excuse, um, been motivated lately and getting out there a good amount, working on all the different alts. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, But in the last episode, for those of you who may remember that far back, we offended turbine landscape engineers, religious zealots, hidden motors, those with speech impediments, and lotro players that have to play with graphics on low due to running the game on the TRS-80, Commodore 64. Or Apple Mac 512K, all of which I have owned. And to all that were offended, I offer a very solemn and heartfelt sorry. Uh, viewer comments, uh, agree to disagree. Uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, let's go back. Let's I, I hearken back to a to an October year. Uh, over a year ago, on October 15th, 2015, someone do the math, it's not quite a year, Anishi Farquester left me a five-star iTunes review. So, as far as I'm concerned, he currently has the high score on the Like the Beacons leaderboard. And if you want your name read off on the podcast, on the Like the Beacons uh, iTunes review leaderboard, um, and you want to enjoy this, uh, join this illustrious vacuum of reviewers, um, you can either do absolutely nothing, or you can go out there and nab the high score. Uh, Ltb.com comments: Braggenthorne, great to hear from you. Thanks for chiming in. In the pit, in the Twitter sphere, I can't think of anything too special that's been going on lately. Uh, maybe a few thought a few thoughtful and poignant tributes to Anton Yelchin, who played such a wonderfully entertaining and lively Chekhov in the latest incarnations of Star Trek. Uh, or uh, J.J. Trek, whatever they call it. Seeing him in the upcoming movie is going to be a little bittersweet, obviously. Uh, I would hope there'd be a tribute in the opening or closing credits. I'm I'm pretty sure that's almost a guarantee. But actually, my first thought around this when I heard about his tragic accident was, depending on the story, would it be too late for them to consider changing it and giving him a meaningful death in the movie? Um, I think it is too late at this point. That movie's in the can and ready to ship. Uh, But, you know, I know it's taboo to kill such a revered character, but this is an alternate timeline where anything is possible. And losing him hurts the movie, obviously, but it does not derail future episodes from being created, you know, given the ensemble nature of the cast. Uh, I would think, you know, if there's one more... JJ Abrams Abrams, Star Trek movie coming. I'm guessing there will be. I think Star Trek Beyond is going to be huge. Um, You know, they can't really bring him back with an awkward replacement at this stage. So why not consider giving him, you know, some emotional impact to his ending in the movie? You know, and by the way, before you write in, I know all that's trivial compared to the fate of the actual actor himself. But uh, Chekov is an iconic character. A lot of people do love him. He is going to be missed. Um, I don't think they can replace him in this incarnation of Star Trek without it being very awkward. So they're left with a choice of you you hearing that he's been assigned elsewhere temporarily or uh, providing him kind of an emotionally satisfying uh, departure from the series. So anyway, uh, let's go to Community Spotlight. Uh, some of you guys may have heard. I don't. Maybe, maybe you didn't. You know, it's, there's, there's uh, an app, an app that was built uh, by an, another podcaster uh, called the Pine Leaf Countdown app, and uh, some of you guys may have heard of this. So, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's been talked about so there's uh, there's there's some indication that there's a pine life countdown app out there and and by all accounts it is uh, rather amusing um, all I can say is when I downloaded it and I was playing it over breakfast um, you know the the mrs. Bragg uh, came over and I think to quote her words was something on the lines of like uh, what the hell is that <laughs> And I tried to explain it. I tried to explain exactly what it was. And I realized the more I talked, the more ridiculous it sounded. So I just kind of had to cut my losses at that point. (laughs) Um, You know, context. So, uh, that's out there. I was listening to the folks at Lotro Academy when they were talking about the burglar a couple episodes ago. Uh, I recently got my burglar to 105 and took him out on some more recent box runs, which uh, most people are willing to accept a burglar for a box run since it's such a walk in the park, typically. But, um, you know, a few things that I wanted to mention, some feedback based on their discussion of the burglar. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about the gambler line. Um, when they were talking about the different trait lines for burglar, gambler, they didn't really give a good explanation of. I just, people didn't know exactly how to describe it. Uh, the way I would describe it is this, you know, how does it make sense from a lore perspective? I always thought about the, you know, why does a die appear above the guy's head when you strike him and so forth? And what's it good for? I find that, uh, you know, the way I try to think of the gambler is that, um, you know, based on, Based on my combat knowledge and my, you know, my tricks and all my, you know, my agility, I'm going all out on an attack. You know, that's basically going to be, um, you know, going to be a haymaker or going to be nothing. I'm taking a gamble. You know, maybe I'm taking a bag of marbles and I'm swinging it at the guy's head, and I'm either going to knock him cold, or I'm just going to graze his temple and do almost no damage. But you know, I'm leaving myself open. I'm, I'm taking a chance, and I'm going for a knockout stroke. And uh, basically, depending on your luck, uh, will tell you how well you've succeeded um, you know, rolling a six versus rolling a one, two, three, four, five, six. So so I do think the DPS output for the gambler line is pretty decent, especially if you get lucky and get a uh, number of sixes. I find that with all the legacies and the ways you can tier up your gambles, more often than not, you're going to end up with a four, five, or six or a five or six most of the time. And uh, the damage can be pretty good. Um, you know, you get uh, quite a number of different effects from the gamble. So, um, you know, it's a DPS line. When people are in raids, they like dependable DPS, not taking a chance on having good DPS, but maybe having crappy DPS. So I understand why it might not be the most, um, m- most popular choice for grouping. But, uh, for soloing, I do think it's kind of fun and it can be pretty effective. Um, so that's my take on the gambler line, which I didn't really feel they they uh, did justice in their discussion. Um, I did want to talk about the three biggest problems with the Berg. Some of these are pretty well documented, but just to sum them up, here's where we are: uh, three of their primary uh, roles within groups: FM starter, crowd control and debuffing, and uh, single target DPS has always been you know the the the, the burglars uh, gravy basically in the past. And there's a reason why the burglars aren't effective right now. Uh, first of all, what do current instances require? Group content, uh, ignoring FMs because they're so neutered and underpowered and haven't been leveled in terms of power, you know, in in multiple, you know, multiple releases. Um, burning through groups of mobs either as trash or ads in boss fights as quickly as possible. Uh, Placing supreme emphasis on AOE versus single target damage. And bosses, and sometimes even trash at times, uh, in the instances, which are immune to crowd control. Um, So, three biggest strengths of the burglar, uh, almost entirely debunked or uh, de-emphasized, I would say, in terms of group content. So that's the problem we face with the burglar right now. And I know if they brought FM's... You know, along and made them powerful enough to make a difference, which I think they need to do. It might imbalance other parts of the game, but tough luck. Right now you've got a whole class that is imbalanced. So I think you need to figure it out. Um, make the burglar relevant again. That's uh, that's one of the uh, protests that's going down right now at Weatherstock. Um luckily, the Burglar's still a ton of fun to play solo, and uh, from what I've heard, it's still a pain in the butt in the Moors, although I have not done that much with mine as of yet. Um, the Burg's sweet spot is, for questing when you're soloing, is about you know one out of the three, let's say, the holy quest trios, the uninventive holy quest trio. You've got to kill ten mobs, you've got to collect ten things, and then you've got to go back typically and either kill the boss or leader you know the elite and collect one special thing quest, right? So there's tons of variations of that in the game. Go kill ten moms, go collect ten things, and maybe there's one special thing at the end, like a scroll with the war plans on it, or you've got to kill the general in his tent that's at the end of this big maze, right? So this one out of the three holy quests, uninventive holy quest trio, is the one where the burglar excels. This is where he shines. Sneaking by all the trash, Uh, saving tons of time and just going up and stabbing the boss in the back and taking the scroll that you need for that one quest. Um, The problem is the rest of the quests are slower, obviously, uh, because of the mechanics of the Berg. But this is the one quest that shines. So I look whenever I'm questing on my Berg, as much as possible, I try to ignore the first two types of quests and focus on quests which give me um, the third type. For example... um, when you're in Mirkwood and uh, there's a quest to go down there's an orc camp north of Fanglehad, which has a general all the way at the back of this big complex and the only way to get through it is to is to fight your way through a whole bunch of orcs and trolls and other nasty stuff and it's a pretty, pretty busy area actually it was tough to do solo until you got a little overleveled, as I remember it um, and you couldn't take down the boss by yourself at that point, it was a small fellowship quest, I believe but, but that's the kind of quest where you can sneak all the way back with the Berg, and if the if the boss is far enough removed from usually his two ads that are in front of him, so they don't get aggroed when you attack him, then it's you know it's it's uh, gravy time for the Berg. Um, another example: uh, find the pointed stick in Goblin Town. Right when you've been down to the Goblin Town prisons, and they're like, "Go find me a pointy stick." <laughs> you can go all the way up and down the tunnels uh, from the prisons without having to you know aggro everything in sight. Uh, in a more recent example, in the orc camp in Faranorian near Amandine, one of the quest lines has you uh, assisting the Druidan going through that orc camp, and eventually you have to find and defeat an orc called Shagatusk by finding his castle, then going to find the orc warden that has the keys, then sneaking back into his castle and killing him. Uh, with a berg, even riding a horse with the Stratagem skill turned on, you can make quick quick hay out of those quests without lighting up the whole camp. And what's more, even if you kill Shagatusk and you've got some guys when you come out the door that uh, you, know, you can't be stealthed, so they jump on you... Well, you can run and jump over the wall and hit your free-fall skill so that you don't get hurt and run right over to meet Dill at the base of Amandine, and that's a lot of fun to do. That's why it's fun to be a burglar. So uh, my advice to you when soloing, look for those quests where you need a single object or a single boss to kill. Do those as much as possible, and uh, you'll enjoy your time burging around forums, Insider, what's been going on around the community? Uh, well, Guardageddon, or Armagarden, whichever you want to call it, about the nerfing of the guard's Radiate bleeds, uh, has been fixed with 18.2 supposedly. So, that's nice, as I like to play a guard. Um, I haven't experimented with it that much in terms of going out and scooping up 20 mobs and seeing if that's still possible. I assume the hill's are still not quite as good, but uh, the DPS is maybe on par with, or closer to on par with where it was before. So that would be nice. Um, Halting of turbine phone support happened since the last time we talked. Yeah, kind of inevitable. I've never called turbine phone support, never had to. If you do need to call them, I can see how that would be, uh, you know, rather... uh, uh, discouraging, but I do think uh, that if you enter a ticket and they can't help you in game, you know there'd be a way to to be able to get in contact with you directly if if necessary. Hopefully, uh, the biggest news that just came out this past week: another round of turbine layoffs were confirmed, including our our community manager Freelorn, whose uh, whose Twitch session was canceled on short notice when the news came out. So we don't know how many people were laid off from Turbine. Uh, I saw um, our old community manager Rick Heaton chime in and say he felt sorry for those losing their jobs, um, which was you know nice of him to mention. That it's good to see he's still involved in the community there. So how many people did we lose exactly? It's uh, you know it's something we'll never know. Um, you know I've been impressed with the size and scope of the releases they've been able to continue to do. Uh, I do think you know we're in a stage of the game where we're lucky to be getting expansions. So I'll take what I can get. They just came out with a major raid. They did uh, an 18.2, a big something big that people have been asking for. It's not exactly a housing revamp, but adding tons of hooks to the house so that you can uh, have additional space to hang your trophies was uh, you know hopefully not that difficult for them and a nice big step in the right direction. So you know they keep coming out with the low quality of life things. They keep coming out with land masses, and uh, we're even getting instances and occasionally raids. And I think that's about as good as we can expect at this stage of the game's lifetime. Um, so hopefully that uh, there's enough revenue in doing so for that to continue for quite some time. Uh, would be nice to hear the community manager come out and speak uh, at a time like this. Uh, maybe we'll hear from here at some point about what's coming on beyond 18.2, uh, at least some teasers to let us know there is stuff coming, you know, kind of calm the masses that uh, the chicken littles that run around after a turbine layoff round happens. Uh, don't know what we're going to do without a community manager, but uh, I'm sure we'll be just fine. It's not like Freelorn actually had tons of info on most of his Twitch runs that I would uh, listen to. He could only kind of pass along what he'd heard from others uh, in most cases. So, that's the Forms Insider. Uh, I think we're near the end of this beacon. This week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about about what we've been doing in-game for the past several years. Uh, I mean... Since I podcast last, uh, we'll have a rare discussion about PVMP, and we'll share our initial experiences thus far concerning the new raid. Lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will pad out our runtime with useless and boring filler material. It feels great to be back. Let's go do another beacon. We are at Nardal. This week in gaming and other Tolkien news. So, some of you may have seen I tweeted the cover photo of a book I found at Costco last week called The Atlas of Middle Earth by David Day. And it has a genuine ple- ple- you know, Corinthian pleather cover. What really caught my eye was uh, a nice collection of illustrations from a number of different artists it seems like that contributed to the work. And um, David does appear to go through kind of a uh, an Evolution of the Landmasses of Middle-Earth from the First, Second, and Third Age. Um, and uh, some interesting map views that I had not seen previously. So, I'm not 100% sure. I imagine this is a collection of rare uh, inputs from from other sources. Uh, I'm not sure how much of it is original to this book. I do want to explore the book some more, be able to answer those questions for you. Uh, right now, it is unfortunately sitting behind... Uh, Unfinished Tales, and History of the Inklings, which are both in my queue to read. So it may be a little while, but um, it it looks like the kind of thing where I could read small chapters here and there, you know, and I didn't have to sit down and sit and go cover to cover on it. Uh, But from the few pages I gleaned, it did have uh, an interesting take on some of the more historical events of Middle-earth. So I'm looking forward to taking a look. And it was uh, pretty cheap. Costco, I think, I think cover charge on Amazon was like $14.99. Costco had it for 10 bucks, So not a bad add to a collection. Keep an eye out for it. Um I've also got behind my Tokian books, I'm rereading the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov, one of my favorite science fiction series of all time. So on second foundation now. A number of Batman graphic novels, my son's reading that I said I would read with him. It's called The Night of the Owls, I think is the series. Uh, really good so far actually, and was surprised. And I'm reading The Book Thief, which has some wonderful, wonderful language in it. Uh, enjoying that quite a bit. Although somewhat of a somber subject matter at times. So what I've been doing in other games. No DDO, no Secret World, no Marvel Heroes. I have been playing Clash of Clans, but nothing too exciting there. Um, I jumped onto Star Trek Online last week when Lotro was going through 18.2 update. And uh, I completed a quest that had been in my log for a long time. First I had to find the place, which I found... <laughs> I had to like look up the system like online and figure out what quadrant it was in or whatever. There was there was no intuitive way to look at the map and find this quadrant. I just had to, I had to go to the wiki. Uh, so I, I'm sure I don't. There's something there I don't understand. But I did a quest called Patrolling the Bia System, which is supposed to be a level 14 quest from what I can tell. I'm level 19 Lieutenant Commander and almost to level 20, which I think gives me another Duty Officer and some other fun stuff. So it seems like a big milestone that I might push for in the next few weeks. But, uh, boy, it was all I could do to complete this level 14 quest. (laughs) I had to destroy some docking stations and uh, drive away some, some alien patrols that were protecting them. And the last one had so many of these Interceptor drones swarming around it. It seemed like as soon as I killed them, they regenerated, I figured out eventually. So I wasted a lot of time trying to burn through them and uh, got killed. And then I came back and just focused on uh, like circling around the docking station and killing it instead before I got killed and was able to blow it up and get away. So a little change in strategy, netted a completion there, a rare Star Trek Online quest completion. Um, I don't know what I'm doing wrong from a combat perspective, button mashing, uh, or if my build sucks that bad that uh, was that tough for me to finish level 14 quest. Uh, I only know if I invest more time in the game, I'm sure. And I'm still playing a little bit of South Park uh, Stick of Truth. I got past the first major section, uh, You know, got some character upgrades, and some leveling concerned, and moving on to the next uh, major area, I think, of the game, so... That's a good change of pace from some of the other games I play, is the way I'll put it. <laughs> okay, so what's been going on in Lotro? Um, Bragg has got, uh, I think his last bingo quest he was in, the Westfold and Rohan, I believe. So I know that uh, I've heard that bingo quests are coming to an end shortly, uh, all, point, all things are pointing to. So that's kind of sad. I may save up the last few so I can do them all in a go straight through to the end. Uh, besides that, been running a lot of featured instances, obviously, uh, trying to build up allies using Scrolls of Empowerment, as well as um, trying to uh, get some lucky armor piece drops. Um, I am kindred with the Riders of Rohan, and uh, over the last few weeks, um, I've been chipping away at the Defenders of Minas Tirith reputation grind, basically by doing the Daily South Gate instances, typically... Um, You know, with reputation accelerators on, and uh, uh, you know, earning, knocking two birds with one stone there. Um, But I did recently finish some other quests, which gave me some. I think it was maybe some roving threats or something, which gave me some rep as well. Um, So I am now kindred once again with every reputation, uh, every reputation faction in Middle Earth. Uh, I am now Minas Tirith celebrated. And I have to say, when when 18.2 came out and they added a tier to Defenders of Minas Tirith, I thought it would be one tier. <laughs> when I got to the end of that, I was like, oh, thank goodness, you know, finally kindred again with everything. And another tier opened up. <laughs> and I ground and I ground and I ground and I grinded. What is that? Grounding? I, ground, I got grounded. I got in trouble with my parents. I got grounded. And uh, I got past that reputation tier. And another one opened up. And at this point, I had to look online to make sure there wasn't another one, because I was going to get really mad. But it is a lot of rep to grind. I mean, There's no question. Um, and the interesting part is, there don't appear to be any awards in the game right now for you to get for being celebrated in Minas Tirith, unless you're a completionist, uh, which I am, and that's all you needed. So I actually went out to the forums to look if there was some discussion regarding this, and I did find some. And um, there's some speculation that since the story is going to be back to Minas Tirith, kind of post-battle, uh, either uh, in the first stages of the next book, or eventually after the Battle of the Black Gate, when you know the wedding of Aragorn and, and Arwen, that uh, there could be there could be some um, some rewards released by Turbine in a future book update to make it worth grinding that extra reputation. As it is. It was 50 turbine points, which I think is maybe the biggest allotment of turbine points I've ever seen for any quest. So, you know, a lot of people would be interested in that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's 50 cents or close to it, whatever the case is. So, you know, I'd rather get um, some kind of nice reward for grinding Kindred there. So hopefully they'll come up with some things that they'll release in a future book update. And I'll be ready to scoop them up at that point. But it is a long grind. (laughs) Uh, Bragg also finally ran Blood of the Black Serpent. That had been the one new Pelinor Field instance I had not tried yet. We did it on Tier 1. Um... And actually, uh, although I've done Silent Street and Quaze, uh I didn't advance my story quest because you need to do Black Serpent first. So I need to go back and finish that. Finally, got in a group to do that. Uh, I thought the interesting part was that there appeared to be in the second section a mounted combat uh, battle area that was incorporated into the incense, which I was uh, happy to see. I, I would been I'd been waiting for them to try to do something with that, and then uh, the group I was with promptly. Um, aggroed groups of mobs off the plains and sucked them into the ruins where they were uh, unmounted, dismounted (laughs) and we fought them on foot. (laughs) So I don't know how tough it is to take down the mounted combat groups. Um, Maybe if you run into more than one, you can get swarmed and it's not worth the trouble. Uh, But at least for us, at least, we got through the entrance by uh, luring the groups into uh, into the area of the ruins where they were dismounted and then fighting them on foot. So That's maybe a little anticlimactic, but um, we'll see. I I only ran it the one time. Maybe others know uh, I'm more comfortable trying the mounted combat format, at least. Um, I learned the true meaning of the blood of the Black Serpent, meaning his uh, sons, whom you fight in the final boss battle. And I found the the end of that uh, instance, uh, from a storytelling perspective, satisfying. No spoilers, but... um, but some um, tragic figures, uh, and heroes of the game get uh, their proper moments as far as earning glory that uh, will not make them to be ashamed in the f- halls of their forefathers. So, um, if you can't figure that out, then meh. So, uh, aside from that, I earned the port to the war settings from being Kindred and uh, Riders of Rohan. Uh, and I also purchased for a lot of uh, daily uh, rep objects one of the Rohan house guards. I never had one of those house guards before. I know there's some others that you can pick up elsewhere in the game. You can get a cave claw. I think you can get a dwarf. I can't. I, I can't remember what else you get. Maybe a hobbit. Um, but now you can earn a Rohan female shield maiden uh, that'll stand outside your house and sharpen your sword and slash the air around and little stuff like that. So never had one of those before. So I set it up. That's kind of cool. Uh, I have picked up at this point. Uh, I got a second piece of armor in a featured instance guide run this week, and a set bonus on um, for the guards for the two pieces is a ten percent ten percent run speed boost, which is pretty nice for a guard. Um, I feel like I'm motoring around, especially with my you know stumpy little dwarven legs pumping up and down. Um, So I feel pretty fast, especially when I hit my sprint on top of that. I'm really motoring through. As a matter of fact, I was in an SG instance, and I hit my sprint, and I was going so fast that I ran into the first boss room with Urcher. Urchir, and uh, the gate closed, uh, leaving four guys from our party outside the door. And actually, this may be one of the most fun times I've had in a featured instance in a while because uh, me and a DPS class, um, you know, took down the the boss just the two of us, you know, in the level 105 instance. So it was fun to do. It took a while. I felt bad for the people waiting outside the gate that whole time, but it but it was fun. Uh, it was a challenging fight to do as a two man. So um, got to the end of that, which was nice. Uh, What else? What else? So, I put up some more decorations in my house uh, with all the new hooks that came out with 18.2, including the Moria keg that I won from the Spring Festival, some nice Moria portraits which came out recently, which I hang on the wall now. Um, Put up a moria base chandelier to replace the Elven one that I had. And uh, with the latest, uh, I've been earning a few of those Supreme morale, uh, Tier 8 Supreme morale recipes for my cook to bake out and adding those to Bragg's Armor. So, you know, I'm losing some uh, I'm losing some well-roundedness. I'm losing some robustness uh, as I replace some of my other essences, you know, mitigations this or critical rating that or uh, resistance that or finesse that and so replacing them with morale. But I've come to the conclusion that uh, I'm not going to get into raids uh, with a 30k morale guard. So I have him built up to 35k at this point. Um, he feels pretty sturdy. I think 40 would be nice. Um, obviously, you get up above 40 with cappy buffs and so forth. But, um, but I feel a lot better at 35 than I did at 30. And, um, you know, I've still seen guards running around like 45 to 50. So I'd like to get a few more. I just uh, have to be careful about what I choose to diminish in order to build the pure morale build. Um, unfortunately, I think it's required at this stage. My Bjorning is still mucking around Middlemead, handing in Tasks. My minstrel. Uh, also, I've been funneling shattered spears to her to turn in the horse deads. Um, she is my second tune to 82 class trade points next to my main. Thanks to a six man Hammer of the Underworld big battle skirmish last week that put me over 200 big battle points. Um, so, most of my others are missing at least the second big battle point, some of them both of them. Uh, but it's nice to get to my mini at least up to 82 class trade points. Uh, she also feels pretty solid. She could use some more morale, though. Um, and we'll see how she does if I have to take her into the raid. Uh, my Cappy is level 105 since last we spoke. The Fashionable. He's at uh, 81 class trade points. So I think he's got one big battle point left to earn. And uh, you know, pretty solid. Um, I like taking him in blue line when I'm in groups. He's uh, he's healed uh, Sabbath Gall pretty easily at level 105 for box runs. Uh, you know, not too tough. Obviously, he's slowly grinding grinding up his LI tiers with uh, Scrolls of Empowerment. And uh, there's a lot of call for him in um, in raids as a red line, a red line Cappy, both for big battles uh, for lieutenants. As well as the new raid, um, Oathbreakers are almost a requirement. So, uh, so you know, Cappy continues to be in pretty good demand. Um, I, did, I did join a Tower of Orthanc raid last uh, last week where we were on the, um, the top of Orthanc doing the Saruman fight. And, uh, someone left the groups. They asked me to grab a ring, which I'd never done before. I I just joined the group. They'd already failed like four or five times. They were having a lot of trouble with the bug up there where the purple color doesn't appear out of his wand. And you have to guess where it is in the order. So, um, I joined them after they'd failed a couple times and someone left and they asked me to take a ring, which I'd done before, but it had been a long time. And then when it was my turn, um... I didn't realize right away I was standing just outside of the uh, the yellow circle I'm supposed to be standing in to activate my ring. And I, I moved over and I got it triggered, but um, I kind of screwed some of the people on the back end that didn't have time to finish theirs. So that was kind of disappointing. I haven't done that in a while. I, th- I always feel bad when I let a raid group down like that because uh, the group broke up after that. Since it was like the fourth or fifth time they tried, they had to take a break. And it was my fault. Uh, but it happens. Live and learn. Um, and uh, next time, I'll be ready. Uh, my lore master is also 105. He has 80 class trait points, I think, at this point. Uh, recently completing the Slayer Deeds in Anorian. Uh, just got a second piece of uh, armor dropped from him in Samoth Gaul this week. Uh, which got his... With two Supreme of Morale Essences, added about 3,500 morale to him, uh, which uh, feels a lot better. He was uh, in the low 20s earlier, and now he feels a little bit more robust. So, uh, working on L.I. Tears for him as well. My Berg is now level 105 uh, since the last time we talked. He did a few box runs I mentioned earlier. Uh, he's working on quests in Krithost, uh to get the quests of an Ori and done and uh, the Pellian quests I can do just by doing the daily, so those get those get cranked out if I do a few daily runs with him. And hopefully, uh, when I get the <clears throat> the warbands of Oldenorian, I should be able to get the class trade point for him from that area. Uh, my hunter is level 103. Uh, I sent her back to Dal Amroth when I realized she didn't have their hunter port for Dal Amroth. I'm like, that's not going to stand. Uh, So I I ground some quests there for the port, um, went down to the beach where all the Haradrim had landed, uh, Corsair's Haberdasher Beach or something like that, and did all the quests out on the boats and and tearing down banners and burning down Corsair slavers and captains. And and, uh, it was a nice change of pace to do some questing in Dol Amroth after all the dark days in Eastern Gondor. Uh, so uh, got her to friend status and got my DA port, and we'll be sending her back to finish the epic quest line in Gondor. Uh, my champ at level 52 ran a few Forgotten Treasury runs, and my rk and Warden have been Fallow. That is what I've been doing in-game, aside from what I'm about to talk to you about in my next beacon. We are at the Beacon of Aralas, and we're going to talk about something we don't talk about a lot on Light the Beacons, and that is uh, PVMP. Why are we going to talk about PVMP, you might ask? Well, I recently reached uh, a milestone on my creep there, and I don't get many milestones on my creeps, so this one is kind of a big deal for me, at least. Um, When we transferred over over from Vilja to... uh, To Landreville, it definitely reignited at least some of my interest in PvMP because the server is obviously much more active. And with that activity comes, um, you know, I was in rank five with my war leader in Vilja, and it seemed like forever it was taking to build him up. And I know uh, people that have been PvMPing for since the beginning, uh, will say if you think this takes a long time to grind, you should have been you know doing it back in the SOA and Moria days uh, because they certainly have made it a lot easier and quicker to level than it ever was then, which I think was a good move. But I don't PVMP that much, and uh, when I was in Villian, when the server was empty, and I could almost never, you know, get in a large group to burn through lots of kills over a shorter period. Um, yeah, it, it was taking forever. So anyway, I moved to Landreville. There was an increased level of activity. I dusted my war leader off, my rank 5 war leader off, and sent him out. And how was he doing? Well, he was struggling, and here's why. Um, he's got He's the war leader. I picked this class originally so that it would be the most useful in groups. I wanted to pick something that wasn't like the class everybody else was playing, I wanted it to be something a little more rare. And War Leader looked to me like a class that was perfect for groups, uh, would shine in groups, and uh, you know, seemed to be neglected. Like, it was one of the least played classes. And so I thought I might be in more demand if I was willing to rank up a war leader. And, you know, a little well-rounded. I guess he's the captain of the creeps, right? Although he doesn't have nearly the skill palette that the that the cap he does. Um, the problem with my rank 5 war leader is that uh, I could never get him in groups. Uh, even after I moved to Landerville... Uh, I would call out for open groups in OOC, and uh, almost, almost never uh, would groups be forming that were willing to pug. Uh, it seems like, to me at least, either only kin's group in Landreville, Creepside, uh, or nobody groups at all. And uh, you know we're going against raids of Freeps that are you know all grouped, so they can uh, so they can you know focus uh, on target assist to to burn down tunes, you know in in a in a heartbeat and uh you know the groups aren't doing that we're running around in circles we all have different targets no one's you know people are healing each other you're trying to help i'm trying to heal everybody i can that that might need it but uh you know but nobody's grouping and uh as the war leader my dps kind of sucks it's better than it was. It's getting better slowly, but it kind of sucks. And my healing is not enough to heal me through most encounters with, you know, high-level freeps. And there's a lot of freeps out there with purple shields and, you know, rank 13, 14, 15, you know, and I'm a lowly rank 5. So I should get my butt beat. But you know what? It's a little frustrating that you can't do enough damage to solo almost anything. Uh, and, you know, and I'm having trouble finding groups where I can heal others and help out. So, I've been doing, uh, I decided to work on my maps. So, I was doing lots of PVE to help work on my maps. Uh, At this point, I've got all my maps except for the Ice and Deep Mines, which only has like two or three quests you can really do to try to earn them. So, that one's tough. The Lumber Camp is the next toughest, but um, I was able to get, you know, loosely paired with some people that were... Uh, loosely paired with some people that were, uh, you know, grinding some trees around the lumber camp area to, to, to generate, uh, you know, the materials you need to hand in quests there. So I got the lumber camp done finally, and if you getting a group of like, not a group, but again, a grouping, I should say, because they're not grouped, a grouping of three or four people beating Hobbit butts down in Whore Hollow. You can store up a pretty good amount of, um, you know, task or quest items that you can hand in at the different various camps to try to advance yourself. So I got into big fights as much as I could. I healed people, tried to tag heal people even to, to generate some commendations and some infamy. And, uh, you know, whenever I was, was able to grind enough quest items, I was handing in crest items. Now, I know people in PvMP look down on people that PvE uh, to advance their character, right? If you're doing PvE, why don't you go and play Freepside, you know, in, in the general population? What, why are you even doing PvMP? Well, first of all, you have to PvE to get your maps done. And most people expect you to have your maps done if you want to be in a higher level raid. So I don't feel bad about doing that. And, um, you know, for a while, because of the lack of grouping, I was probably generating more infamy out of handy in quests than I was out of actually trying to kill freeps. I know it's sad. So you you might think, well, why don't you form a group, right? The big problem is no one's willing to be a leader, so be a leader. You know, and I'm willing to do that with raids and instances that I know. The problem is, I don't consider myself very well versed on PVMP at rank 5. I think people that are leading raids should be uh, rank 8, 9, 10, 15. Who knows? There's lots of people out there that are better at it than I am because they pay PV- PVMP way better than I am. So I don't think it's appropriate for me to start a raid. I mean, I you know, I could probably do fine. I mean, I understand the principles. I understand could probably do fine. But I don't need people calling me a noob or dropping group if I'm not doing what they expect. And... Uh, and I would hope that the the players that have been out there longer would encourage other folks to join groups and get together, and they should really be leading the charge. That's my view on it, at least. Um, so anyway, I did recently win a one-on-one against uh, a champ I found sleeping. Well, I thought he was sleeping. He woke up, and I was like, I'm dead. Um, there's no question I might as well fight. And somehow I... I um, I burned him down. He must have been terrible. Maybe he was had no audacity or something like that. Zero. But uh, I did win a 1v1 with my war leader recently. So very exciting moment for me. Um, rank 6 I finally achieved and I earned Brawler Stance and Commander Stance. Uh, which are new, and I've not looked that heavily at... I uh, haven't played them that much since I ranked, so uh, I have to say it looks interesting. The Brawler Stance spe- specifically ups my DPS, which I need. And uh, it, it does reduce my healing output by like 40%, but I believe it makes it insta-cast, or maybe it makes it okay to use on the move one or the other, uh, which sounds, you know, extremely more useful. <clears throat> so... Uh, The kin I've joined is going to try to start getting some creeping going, and uh, if that's the case, hopefully I'll be able to group with them, and I'll be able to try out my new rank 6 war leader. Um, You know, the balance in the moors, one side's going to complain, the other side's going to complain, (laughs) I don't know. If you get the right numbers on either side, you can still have good fights. Um, I'm not going to get into it more than that. You know, I will say though, that when I read people in, in chat saying, you know, they could get characters to rank six now in, you know, 24 hours, you know, maybe they're playing 24 hours straight and that's possible. <laughs> and they're in a big group the whole time. I don't know how they did. I mean, it took me years to get to rank six. <laughs> Again, I don't PvP that much, maybe a couple nights a month. So that's what I get for it. But hopefully, I'm uh, advanced enough now where I can actually help out with uh, Kinraid if I can get in a group with that. Free um, side, I haven't done much PVMP in a long time. You know, I find as soon as I get a rank, I lose like all interest in playing for a while because uh, the 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 hill to the next rank is so amazingly, um, yeah, discouraging. That uh, I can't even fathom. Trying to make a run for it initially, and I need to kind of work up my courage to it. But I've got—I have to say—I've no desire to grind new audacity pieces over and over and over again with my guard, so or whoever. So when I take a Freep into the moors, typically they have little to no audacity. And I'm, at this point, I don't want—I have some audacity pieces, but I think the armor I'm using from you know, the latest updates is such a big upgrade over what I had before that I can't see using my old Audacity pieces. And it, I know I think you can trade them in to get some value or with comms, but I've been using most of my comms to advance my, my war leader for now. So we'll see. Maybe I've gone over to the dark side. Uh, that's quite enough about PVMP for now. Since I'm not exactly an expert, let's move on to our next beacon. We have reached the Beacon of Menriba on this episode of Like the Beacons is brought to you by Phil Gashen's Diner. Come on down to the Flaming Deeps for some down-home Middle-Earth pub and grub. Phil Gashen's Diner, where even the pie is pan-seared. Try our new special, Moons Over My Mini, featuring two golden sunny upside eggs next to a filet of Hobbit Bard with a sprinkle of parsley. Also serving Bjorn Beef Hash... Champion nuggets, garden salad, and bacon double cheese burglars. Tell him Bragg sent you, for half-price appetizer on Thursdays, Phil Gasson's diner. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Note strict dress code observed at Phil's. We've reached the sixth beacon of Galenhead. Let's talk a little bit about the raid. The Throne of the Dread Terror. And uh, no, I'm not talking about Grima's Toilet Habits. Um, so I've been into the raid a few times now. Uh, there's my solo attempt, uh, my pug attempt, and my kin attempt. So let's talk a little bit about each of those. Uh, my solo attempt when 18.2 came up and I jumped on, I was impatient. I just wanted to see things. Now that they were live, you know, I'm not a I'm not a Palantir guy. I'm not a... Uh, uh, roarer guy, not roarer, Yeah, roarer guy. Uh, but once they're live, I do like to see them as quickly as possible. So I jumped right into the raid uh, alone and ran up to the troll boss and witnessed the animations that start his fight, which I love. I think they're great and uh, kind of got the layout of the uh, the layout of the raid. I like the map specifically. I think that's helpful. Uh, so I ran around the troll in circles for, you know, using my sprint and with everything, I had all my cooldowns triggered and landed until he, it lasted until he, he lit his first club down. So uh, for those of guys who've done the raid, you know that uh, his first attack is a distributed damage attack, which uh, is about 53k. Uh, damage, and um, if you don't have a fellowship or any raid to distribute the damage, you get it all. Look you. And uh, that's the end of your attack. So uh, so I did that once or twice for funsies, just to watch him squash me. And then um, I moved into the Mumu Kill area. So the way the raid is laid out, laid out they have the uh, the troll, I think his name is Crash I'll just call him Rafficrashin, and then there's the Moomakills, the three Moomakills, which uh, did in our our Black uh, Black Veil Archer Buddies and our Ringle Veil Archer Buddies. And so um, I tried to see if I could solo uh, the trash mobs in the raid uh, towards the Moomakill area, and that didn't work. Uh, so what I did was I just ran right past them. <laughs> and I ran into the Mumakil fields hoping, hoping that, uh, that they'd all get shut out somehow or peel off. And of course they didn't, so... So, I'm in the Moomakill fields, which is like a big football field. The Moomakill are running after me. I've got a horde of maybe like 40 orcs running after me. You know, I hit all my sprint skills. I'm running in circles. And uh, eventually, a Moomakill cut me off, and I was done. Uh, But it was kind of fun to have, you know, basically the whole raid chasing after me at that one point. Um... So there might be an exploit somewhere that are there to be had. But from what I've heard, uh, you can choose either boss first, but you must get by both of them if you want to advance further into the raid to the third boss of the raid. Uh, so those were my solo attempts. Uh, I joined a pug later that evening, the first evening it was released. Nobody knew what they were doing. Um, we went in, we looked at the buffs that were debuffs that were on the troll. Um, slowly, you know, someone had heard of some strategy. So basically what I learned from that pug attempt is that uh, there is a mechanic where you have to switch aggro back and forth between tanks. And if you leave it for too long, I believe he builds up some kind of rage, which can be devastating. So about every 10 to 15 seconds, from what I understand, you need two groups, one on either side, and you want to be able to challenge him and spin him. Um, the uh, uh, the forced aggro attacks are good because the challenge cooldown is about 10 seconds, which is I think what you need just about. So basically, when your challenge is up, you can take it back from the other tank and just keep him flipping. Um, There are ads that come out uh, at major morale milestones, I believe. And you can either choose to try to burn them down, or you can uh, keep your focus on the boss and leave them and just deal with the extra damage. And I really think that's probably, from what I've seen, the best way to go. Um, There's a timer on the boss. I think it's like 5 minutes. After 5 minutes, his melee damage goes up like 900% or something. Basically, it's game over. So, uh, speed. This is definitely a DPS race from what I can see. And uh, there also appears to be a mechanic I don't understand quite yet where uh, if he builds up a certain type of corruption or rage, you can bring a black powder keg down from one of the ramps and put it next to him to kind of reset it. So that appears to be a mission that someone will be running off and doing during the course of that raid as well. Uh, we did much better when we had two captains both with oath breakers on. Uh, at one point we did get his mo. His morale down to a little less than half, I think, which was not bad for a pug. The other two times were pretty pointless. (laughs) Uh, You know, two thirds was maybe the best we could do. At one point, we did get him down to in between third and half morale. Um, So we were kind of getting the hang of it a little bit, but you know, repair bills were mounting and people decided to maybe go learn a bit more. And I, I do think these. These instances are not supposed to be run until you've got your Li tiers worked up pretty high, and you've got, you know, fairly well geared with uh, maybe some of the new armor available. Uh, obviously, so can only help. Uh, but I think it's uh, Wrath of Crasher crashing is a pretty good first first boss um, apparently the movement kill fight takes a little more coordination so it's harder <laughs> if you can't get by the troll you probably shouldn't try it. the moon kill is what what people told me uh, but hopefully we can learn both of those over time so third run my kin went to I was at a concert so I missed it uh, but uh, I came in and and I um, Joined in just to listen in team speak at the tail end of it. And uh, they had a similar experience with the troll. They had multiple attempts. Uh, they learned a little bit every time. I think uh, the tunes, some of the tunes in the kin need a little more gearing out. And they need a better mix of uh, they didn't have all the roles filled out the way they would have liked uh, with class specialties with the people that showed up. So hopefully the next kin run that happens, I can join in and we can make progress against this. Uh, one and all, the, the fun thing I'll say is that one and all, you know, all the people that were finishing up the raid with the kin, whether or not they were successful, they had a blast. They said it was so much fun. It reminded them of trying to learn new raids and advance through really hard content back in the you know SoA's, Moria, or even Isengard days, and uh, that's something they hadn't seen in a long time. So, mission accomplished from that. Um, I'm glad it can't be pugged until people get tougher and or learn a little bit more better. Uh, you know, current featured instances lack the challenges of a raid. There's almost no regard for mechanics. If you're running Samoth Gaul, do you remember Samoth Gaul when it first came out? I remember how tough the first pull was. Uh, just trying to beat the Golder Brutes and stop the waves of ads from coming. Um, I remember the DPS race to kill Urcher before the fire spread around the whole room and how important it was to be next to each other for distributive damage. I remember the lightning boss where we had to hide behind the pillars to avoid the lightning attack striking down into the fields and uh, use only ranged damage from him. I remember the Gorothal attack where... Uh, burning him took so long that huge ads of skeletons would join the fight, and you basically had to shield wall your mini hit your pledge uh, and uh, try to ride out those last few moments uh, with all the excitement going on. So, you know, Gall was was an instance that had teeth when it first came out. It was you know was not a walk in the park, and it's been reduced to a speed run uh, through the. You know, even though it's level 105, 105 characters are more powerful than just the scaling of 105, um, you know, with all the, the new legacy tiers, the new powers, and uh, and um, the way morale is stacked with essences. So it really removes all the mechanics out of the old runs. I really think there needs to be a better balance there. Um, you know, they shouldn't be so hard that your pugs are dying left and right if they're the featured instance, but you should have to pay attention to the mechanics, at least at least from a base level. Um, what I really think we need for feature instances is a slightly harder instance, <clears throat> but with a slightly higher drop rate on the armor. Because I've run dozens of them over the last few weeks, and... I think maybe gotten five armor pieces amongst all my different alts and tunes at this point. So, yeah, that's a little too slow. That's a little too many runs for me. And uh, uh, probably the most fun I had was doing a Tier 1 Silent Street. The, the kind of the wings are a little grindy, uh, but I liked the boss battle. It was fun. It was challenging. It was a good one. Um, next up in the Feature and Instance panels, we'll be getting Stone Height. Uh, which is a good instance. I like it. Um, Dungeons of Dol Guldur, which I think will be interesting. I only ever ran that instance back when people were skipping saving prisoners and just uh, just DPSing down the boss um, to farm him. Basically, you know, there was a, a workaround where you could. Go, you know, get locked in the prison, have people run out to the wings, get the doors closed, and have the boss come out without rescuing any prisoners. So, I'm interested in seeing if that's all that will be required to get the box, or if you're going to need to save a certain number of prisoners in order to get your daily boxes. And uh, that could hugely impact how that instance is run and how long it takes. And lastly, the Drake Wing from Heligrod, uh, which most people should be well familiar with. Uh, but hopefully uh, every time I run it I, I get with a group of people who don't know how to get through the first door puzzle challenge so so with it being a featured instance hopefully that'll become second nature to folks to divide up into three groups and do what needs to be done without having to I just pull the lever oh I'm not through the gate uh, I, I need help burning down the dragon all oh, the doors closed you know the usual so we'll figure that out Uh, And hopefully the next time we talk, I'll have better detail about what I've learned in the raid. I know it's pretty short and sweet. Well, but we're here at Halifurian closing. It's time for blessed Relief. That brings us to the end of the 54th episode of Light the Beacons and a long and waited ending it is. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes. Most of all, your harsh criticism and how infrequently I've been podcasting. You can contact me at bragsonofballon at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for Ajax. Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofballon or my website at likethebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you take the times to create an iTunes review if perchance you're so inclined and you want the high score. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven apathy, I'll try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. I hope you laughed at me, or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, son of Balance, signing off. Baruch Kazad, And remember, the next time you tank in the new raid, and your group decides to hang back until after the initial troll attract to make sure you grab aggro, don't despair. Light the beacons.